Welcome to the House of Horrors podcast, where each week we dissect problems real estate investors have faced, how they navigated it, and of course, what you can do to avoid ending up in their shoes. If you've ever thought, I've got an LLC, so check, I'm protected, or perhaps on the flip side, thought once I get an LLC or once I start investing in an LLC, then I'll be protected. I've got some news for you because neither is really the case because LLCs are kind of put up on this pedestal of uh, perfectionism, of this bulletproof asset protection that contains risk with inside of it. But that's just the thing. It contains the risk inside of it. And a lot of things that can go wrong in real estate investing actually come from outside of your investing business, or they just really have nothing to do with your LLC. And you know what? I was surprised to you know see this happen in real time when I started my law firm about, oh gosh, over three and a half years ago at this point. But when I started the firm, you know, I get calls from people all the time uh, to deal with their real estate legal problems. And it was frustrating for me because I wanted to be, you know, the proactive lawyer. I really want to be a litigator anymore. But, you know, I was listening to, to what they were saying and what they were calling me about. And it was things that perhaps have happened to you in your, in your investing business. A lot of these have happened to me in my investing business. But they were things like a tenant refusing to leave at the end of their lease term, uh, you know, neighbors doing construction and causing damage to their property, partners who can't agree on you know, a buyout price for one of the partners who wants to stop investing. There were situations where you know, contractors weren't doing the work timely or properly or ran away with deposits. Lots of situations for municipal fines uh, being tacked onto the landlord for the tenant's actions. And then just frankly, straight up breaches of contract, often from buyers or sellers, sometimes the investor themselves and wanting to you know, sort these situations out. And the, and the common denominator was, is, and this is the God's honest truth, that in my three and a half years at the firm, there was never a situation where an LLC mattered, period, point blank. And that's not to say that LLCs can't protect you or that LLCs may give you more confidence, let you sleep a little bit better at night. Like, heck, I've got LLCs. Like, I'm not here to tell you that LLCs are worthless. They're, they're absolutely not. But they're also not there to prevent or help you in all of those types of situations that I just talked about. You know, the, the partnerships, the, the tenant issues, the, the contractor issues. And LLC doesn't really matter. And frankly, even in situations where um, there was personal injury, it was, you know, situations where the insurance companies would step in. Now, granted, everyone was very fortunate that the claim was less than the policy amount. So there wasn't a need for there to be, you know, money out of pocket from the investor. But the reality is, is that those situations are really, really rare, uh, where you have some sort of catastrophic in injury that exceeds both your insurance policy and would then also exceed the value of the assets within the LLC warranting, um, you know, that protection bubble around it. 
And frankly, the statistics around lawsuits in America support my own anecdotal recollections. It supports like what I'm seeing in my own firm, because what the breakdown of lawsuits in America is, is it's 48% contract disputes, which can mean there was a contract in place or there wasn't a contract in place, but there was an agreement between parties um, and someone didn't live up to the expectations. Because it's important to remember that not all contracts have to be in writing and oral, you know, agreement and negotiation, all of that can boil down to be an actual contract, which can be enforced in court. After the 48% of contract disputes, though, um, 29% of lawsuits filed in America are actually landlord-tenant issues. And then after that, it's 16% small claims followed by 7% of torts. Now, in most situations where you're going to have some sort of catastrophic loss, it's going to be in the court the tort category, which is, again, 7% of all lawsuits. And torts are injury lawsuits. It could be medical malpractice. It could be personal injury. It could be car accidents, slip and falls, any of those types of things. Think the guys who you see on, like, commercials where they're like, have you been injured at work? Or have you, you know, been in a car accident and your back hurts? Think about those types of lawyers. That That's largely where torts are. Now, yes, there's, like, employment discrimination and stuff like that. But that's still, that's all still... 7% of the total amount of lawsuits. And that's the bucket where, in theory, it's most likely that your LLC would protect you. Catastrophic types of losses. The other stuff, small claims, that's not an LLC issue. I can almost guarantee you that, short of you having absolutely no liquidity to your name, uh, meaning you've got no cash on hand to pay someone like five grand, um, in which case an LLC is not really, maybe even your insurance, that maybe even be more than like your deductible on those types of <laughs> situations. And so long story short, they always have a little bit of cash on hand to deal with, the, you know, the minor stuff, which is just a good life uh, advice in general. But then 29%, landlord-tenant court. Does an LLC matter if you have to evict guys? No, we, we all know the answer to that. No, it doesn't. Um, and, you know, even a habitability claim, should you have a habitable, you know, apartment or home for people? Absolutely, yes. You're never going to find me excusing slumlording. Um, but the the worst thing you have to do there is fix it. Fix it and maybe not get the rent for that period. But again, not an LLC issue. And then finally, that 48%, the vast majority of lawsuits in America of contract disputes, most of those are not going to be an LLC issue either. The, the, the situation I was trying to think of uh, before I hit record on this is something where here in New Jersey, for example, there is a consumer fraud law that uh, real estate investors can find themselves subject to if they like fraudulently, you know, advertise property in a certain way. Um, some fair housing laws, which are national, also have uh, punitive types of damages. So it's not just like the actual loss. Like what, what, what's the monetary loss to someone who you discriminated against for um, not allowing them to move into a rental unit? That's very hard to quantify. And so governments have created um, basically fixed penalties that you would have to pay in those types of instances. And let me tell you, fair housing can be extraordinarily expensive. And so can consumer fraud acts. And many states have similar types of consumer fraud acts where there's multipliers of damages. And so I can think of a situation where someone fraudulently described um, a listing. And in that situation, the damages were three times the the difference, essentially, that that was kind of the, the lowest case scenario uh, in terms of factoring the damages there was, OK, uh, the property we thought was going to be work X. It's actually worth way less. It's worth Y. Y times three is the actual damages. It was six, multi, you know, multiple six figures. And so how do 
we pay for that. And that may be something where perhaps that does go beyond your LLC's asset value. Um, and fraud is an instance where LLCs won't, uh, well, insurance won't cover you. Your LLC could still cover you in theory. Um, however, again, even some state laws will say that fraud is not a valid business activity. And therefore, you do not get the protections of being a business for committing fraud. And so that's a very, very common law. Don't think that just because you commit fraud that um, your LLC would protect you there. But that was, you know, an example of a contract dispute where the, the damages can be quite astronomical. Um, and so let's talk for a second about how LLCs do work and don't work. I think this is an important refresher. So LLCs work by creating an entity that's something other than yourself. It gets basically its own social security number that's called an EIN. And so long as you do, you know, certain uh, activities that keep it compliant and you behave like a business. And I teach all about this inside of my program, Landlord Law School. But so long as you do all of those things, the state says, okay, you get to be something other than the people who own that business. And so that business and everything it does is, in theory, contained inside this LLC bubble. And the risk of things going wrong does not extend beyond that LLC. So example as a landlord would be, you know, the the classic slip and fall situation, so long as you had maintained, you know, the LLC properly. In theory, you probably have some sort of homeowner's policy, assuming the homeowner's policy, they're given their max, you know, out of pocket. Say it's like a $2 million judgment, and you've got a million dollars worth of insurance. Where does that other million dollars come from? Well, you would sell off everything that you own inside the LLC, and then that would be that. And that, you know, still sucks. Nope, not going to lie. But at least, you know, your retirement account's still there and your personal home's still there and your car's still there. And so it doesn't completely wipe you out. And that's the reason why some people choose to put their properties into individual LLCs, because whatever happens on one, they, they don't want to even have to risk the others. Whereas if you have multiple properties in a singular LLC, anything going wrong with any of those businesses could put all of them on the line. Again, remote, unlikely circumstance, but that's a risk a lot of investors are not willing to take. No right or wrong answer um, in terms of how many properties you put inside of an LLC. But um, it's more comes down to like, what's your comfort level? What can make you sleep at night? And, you know, think about the fact that there's plenty of investors who don't have a single LLC to their name. And so there's, it all comes down to personal preference in many ways. But what happens inside of the LLC and your business activities there, that's what I like to call internal threats. That's things like you're dealing with your contractors, you're dealing with your tenants, you're dealing with um, your partners to an extent. Um, all of that stuff is things that can go wrong within your own business activities. Even things like someone getting hurt on the property, that's, an, that's something within that bubble. But on the other hand, external threats, your LLC is really not going to do a lot of them for them, especially, 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 did I say that enough times? Especially if you are a single member LLC. And I'm going to talk about the reason why. But external threats could be things like divorces, death, lawsuits in your personal life. The most common example in America would be, uh, you know, a a car accident, Um, business disputes outside of that existing business that perhaps are not in an LLC. Um, And so, All of those things could put your membership interest into an LLC at risk. Now, let's talk about the distinction between multi-member and single-member LLCs, meaning one person is the owner of the LLC versus you've got multiple partners inside of the LLC. 
because each state has what's known as charting protection or lack thereof. It varies among the states. And this is why some people say, oh, I like this LLC a little bit more than I like that LLC, depending on the state that it is formed in. Um, Because states, for example, like Florida is the classic example, why people don't do single member LLCs there is because there is no charging order protection for single member LLCs. It's seen as totally like a pass-through entity. It has basically no asset protection to it. And therefore, for single members, um, if something, say you had a car accident and you know you needed to pay up on that judgment somehow, the plaintiff who sued against you and won in some capacity or you know settled and you know it's an amount that you need to pony up the money for could go after and obtain your ownership interest in the LLC and get the asset and get the asset. Whereas in states that have charging order protection, and this is very common for multi-member LLCs, all that person who's suing you could get is your membership interest and therefore the profit distributions. And by doing that, they don't then get to take over the company or for sales of the assets of that company. And so Multi-member LLCs just across the board, across the states, will always have more asset protection than not. Now, your question may be that, you know, what does that mean for me if I have a single member LLC? Should I go out there and get, you know, a random partner who holds like 1% or something like that? I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm sure somebody out there has done it, but I don't think that that's a, a wise step per se, um, because, you know, my thoughts on partnership, go back and listen to whatever that last episode was um, back over the winter where I talk about all the reasons why I hate partnerships. But um, to go back to, you know, what you should do is like start thinking more about the insurance side of things. (laughs) Um, And I think that's just really important, whether you do or do not operate through an LLC is you know, to really evaluate your insurance both inside the LLC, both, you know, having good homeowners policies on all of your properties, having blanket uh, liability policies within that LLC that can kind of be like a, a business umbrella policy. But then on the flip side, having really good auto insurance and homeowners insurance and a personal umbrella policy in your personal life. Um, so you can see that you're covered from both directions because we don't want to lose our retirement account any more than we want to lose our rental property any more than we want to lose our personal home. Like at the end of the day, it's all valuable assets. And so there's nothing particularly special about the rental property that makes it, you know, more or less valuable than any other thing of equivalent value. Um, And so it's important to get that holistic full coverage that you get from Uh, From a defensive standpoint, of course, we're talking just about defensive strategies here. Um, And if you would like, you know, shoot me a DM and I can do, you know, a deeper dive on the offensive tools or you can, you know, go watch my free workshop, which I'll have linked in the show notes. But the offensive tools are going to prevent these issues from happening. Right now we're talking about problems have already popped up. How's the LLC working to protect me or not protect me? And so if you are thinking to yourself, okay, what? how do I evaluate if I even have the right number of LLCs or the right number of, you know, right amount of insurance, the right types of insurance, then, you know, what I suggest doing is, you know, literally 
breaking out the calculator. <laughs> I joke that I went to law school and not med school because I wasn't good at math, but a lot of my legal strategy comes from just straight breakdowns of numbers. And so making sure everything adds up, literally. Do you have enough insurance to cover the value of the assets that you own? Period. Have you ever done that math before? Um, because you may be surprised about what's going on. Or maybe you have too much, in which, great, go call your insurance broker. Maybe shave a little bit off and save yourself a few bucks. Um, and in Landlord Law School, I walk people through this. I call it my DIY asset protection audit to really be able to see not just where, you know, there may be holes in your insurance policies uh, or your, you know, standard operating procedures or how you're dealing with your partners or, you know, whatever the case may be is. But this first step is really, really critical in a ensuring that your LLC is balanced properly with other defensive tools because your LLC is not going to pay the bills. It's not. If you get a judgment against you, the LLC doesn't <laughs> isn't going to pony up the cash. And that's where insurance really does come in to help. And then, you know, you should also have some cash laying around. Don't be entirely house poor. Um, I know it can be really tempting to just throw every dime you ever accumulate into real estate, into real estate, into real estate. And I won't lie, we did that for many years um, where it felt like we were immediately cash poor after uh, buying a property. And then we would get some cash again. And as soon as we had cash again, we would put it right into another property, <laughs> which uh, thankfully it worked out. But uh, now you know we're much more conscious about having uh, cash reserves and things like that on hand. And not just for this stuff. I mean, it's sometimes just like you need to have the cash reserve for an HVAC going out or seemingly every HVAC you own going out all at once. And so I hope that Brooke gives you a lot more clarity about the fact that LLCs work to contain the risk inside of the business. They don't work by containing the risk from your personal life on your business, especially, especially if you are a single member LLC. However, there's still ways that as a multi-member LLC that they'd be able to reap some profits off of your membership interest in that LLC. It's also really important to remember that, you know, LLCs, they, they don't do anything to prevent the problems from arising. And the situations where they would help you are the vast, vast minority of lawsuits that happen in America. We're talking about the 7% of torts and within that, the vast majority are um, car accidents. And so it's a, it's a very, very minute amount of lawsuits that LLCs would be able to pop up to actually protect you from. And the vast majority of lawsuits out there, an LLC is not going to make a difference. And so make sure your asset protection strategy does include things that will help you navigate your tenancies, properly engage and work with your contractors, properly pick, vet, and, uh, begin working with partners and also, you know, deal with the townships that you're working in, deal with the municipalities, be able to properly do your due diligence. All of that stuff is asset protection. And so if you got the LLC, great, pat yourself on the back, but make sure you got the other stuff as well. And if you're not yet using an LLC, that's okay. As you, I'm sure you've heard, it is not the end all be all. It does serve a purpose. However, it's one of those purposes where it frankly just doesn't come up that often. And so... If you found this episode helpful, I would love it. It would mean a lot to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
And I look forward to speaking with you all next week when we talk about my very first lawsuit, guys. Yes, I am pulling back the curtain. Um, Hopefully, I will get AB to sit down and record with me. No promises there. We're hard to get in the same place at the same time, it feels like right now. But I will be pulling back the curtain on the first time that we were sued and how that really uh, changed and affected the way that I think about the legal stuff, the legal industry, and um, how you can navigate it if you find yourself in the same shoes that I did several years ago. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to the House of Horrors podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at bonniegallum.com forward slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your portfolio and take my free legal workshop, The Three Legal Myths, Preventing You from Securing and Scaling Your Portfolio, and of course, what to do instead at bonniegallum.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at bonniegallumesq and send me a DM to say hi. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.